For they become your, does anybody have it written down there? Let me wait for you to get your notes out. Let me see if anybody remembers this. Watch your thoughts because they become your... Nope. Words. There you go. See see why it's important to take notes? Watch your words because they become your actions. You guys were close. Watch your actions because they become your habits. Watch your habits because they become your character. Watch your character because your character becomes your destiny. Amen? Lord, anoint your word tonight. Thank you for everybody that's here. Thank you for the kids. Thank you for touching tonight all those that are sick, uh, not just here but around the world and during flu season. Lord, just to help us to learn something tonight, to get something out of this, thank you for allowing us to come into your house tonight. Thank you for giving us the freedom to worship you. Thank you for your word. We ask you just to speak to us in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to talk about sanctifying our eyes tonight. Um, This is going along the subject of sanctification, and I want to remind you what sanctification is. Sanctification is setting myself apart for the things of God, amen? And again, this is a process that is twofold. One is immediate sanctification in salvation, that we are sanctified in Jesus Christ by his blood, by our faith in Jesus. We We are forgiven, we are renewed, we are made born again. But then after that, there's a progressive sanctification, which is me every single day getting further away from the world, further away from the the devil, further away from my old man, and closer to God. Amen? And so there's areas in our lives that we're going to see tonight that we have to really work on. Uh, We talked uh, last week about our tongue. Last Wednesday night, we talked about taming our tongue, taming our words, making sure that our words are sanctified and godly. um, Sunday morning, we talked about sanctifying our wallet, amen, setting apart the things that are of God in our finances. And tonight, we're going to talk about our eyes. I want to really encourage you not to miss next Wednesday night. I know, obviously, if it's a sickness or something, that's not out of your control, but I'm going to, I want to show a video next Wednesday night that's going to kind of pull all this together really, really powerful and uh, continue to give you these gifts during the, the months of December. How many believe that when we begin to apply God's word, it's a gift from him, amen, and we can see fruit in our lives. So I want to start off with this um, in Job, and I'm going to kind of read it fast, so try to keep up. There's three verses I want us to look at, but you're already in that book of Job chapter 4, and uh, Job asks a question. You know, Job, Job had a lot of wisdom. And not only was he wise, he was, the Bible says, a man that was perfect, a man that was blameless, a man that loved God. And when we say those words, we say those in the the most perfect and blameless a person can be in sin nature. Amen. And we understand tonight that God wants us to pursue godliness. He wants us to pursue blamelessness. He wants us to pursue holiness. He wants us to be like him. And that's our job. That's what he's asking us to do. And we know that we're not born that way. Our flesh doesn't want to do that. And so we have a work to do. And the work of the Holy Spirit is working in us to cause us to be able to understand what God asks us to do, how he asks us to carry ourselves. And we all know here tonight that the flesh, this right here, is, is a strong force. And it is a, it is a force that wants to do what it wants to do. And Paul made that really clear in the Bible. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. 
And he wasn't saying that in the sense that he had no self-control and that he couldn't control himself and he sinned every day. He was making a statement that my flesh has things it wants to do and I've got to make sure that I control my flesh. And so we talked about that last week with the tongue and then we talked about having that understanding with money. But here is something that's really important with our eyes and Job makes a statement in verse 17. He says, can mortal man be right before God? That's a pretty good question. He says, can mortal man be right before God? And he says, can a, a man be pure before his maker? I mean, that's a pretty good question from, from Job. And so he asked that question in Job 4.17. And then he says in Job 15, if you just scoot over there, uh, go about 11 chapters over, Job 15, verse 14. Um, he says, what is man that he can be pure? What is man that he can be pure or he who is born of a woman, that, ha- that he can be righteous. So he's making a really strong statement here. He's asking God, can I be what you have asked me to be? Now I want to repeat this morning something that gives me a lot of peace as a believer. God is never going to ask us to be something we can't be. Right? He's not going to ask us to do something we cannot do. Meaning, if he says, be holy as I am holy, that means we can be holy. He means, if he says to set ourselves apart, means we can set ourselves apart. And so it's, he's not asking us to do something that is out of our control, but it takes us making a decision that I'm going to be different, that I'm going to set myself apart for God. Amen? And so I want to look now at Job 31. And this is going to really tie up these questions. And God has a way that we can walk in holiness. This is a powerful statement by Job. And he, what he has is a revelation from God. So he asks these questions. Can a man be pure? Can a man be holy? Can a man be right before God? Uh, can a man be righteous? Can a man be pure? And then all of a sudden God speaks through him and he turns it from a question to a statement. And verse, four, verse 1 of Job 31 says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Now that alone in itself is powerful and strong and it's general, but then he goes on to say something for himself that was very specific and we use this a lot in men's discipleship and he says, how then could I gaze at a virgin? Or in other words, how could I look at a woman with lust in my eyes? Okay, so he's, he's making a statement here that I can set my eyes apart and make a covenant with my eyes to look on godly things. Let's go over to the New Testament, to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to move through some scriptures tonight, and I believe this is going to help you and, and bless you and encourage you and challenge you. Matthew chapter 5. As you're getting there, um, there's a, we, we read some stats in the last couple weeks. I, I mentioned them, how staggering and amazing the statistics are tonight on pornography in our world. And just to say that again, if you didn't catch it, I read something that said that the American people have watched one million years of pornography in the last two years. I know that's a statement that's hard to even fathom. And that, that more money has been spent on pornography than all these major sports combined in the United States, and we know there's a lot of money in sports. And so it's an epidemic. 
And it's something that is causing uh, many, many, we're not talking about people who are just, 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 just out there in the world, many believers Many Christians, many pastors, many leaders, many, many people to fall in this, into this temptation and then not only fall but get trapped and then not only get trapped but become addicted and then not only get addicted but ruin their lives. And, and, and that was a good place to say amen. Amen. I know it's Wednesday night and I know it's quiet in here, but th- that's the truth. That's something really powerful. So what we can do as believers is recognize the enemy and not hide from it. We can be real tonight and understand that there's a real problem. Now, I would be bold enough to say and, and believe this in my heart that way more men have struggle with that than women, but that does not mean women do not. But one thing that I've learned as a man in my lifetime is that men are visual. And, and, men, and men are attracted through, through what they see. And so that's why Job here is making a statement that I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes and that I'm going to make sure that I don't look on things that are, are wrong and I don't think things that are wrong. But don't think I'm just going to stay here tonight. This is just the beginning because what we see opens up the doors to much more than just that one specific thing. But Jesus makes a statement in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. And if you got that, say amen. And right before we read it, what what we do a lot of times with with sin, no matter what it is, I'm going to mention some in a little bit that have nothing to do even with with lust. Um, What we do with sin is we look at things and, and we can kind of try to justify what we do. Okay, and, and, and we have to fight extra strong today in 2017 because we're in a generation that is very, very attacked and very, very bombarded by media. Okay, it's not anymore where if somebody wants to sin, they have to go out of their way to make that happen. Now, sin is just everywhere. Sin is everywhere you look. Sin is everywhere you go. It's in front of you. It's behind you. It's on the left. It's on the right. Even if you, listen, let me give you an example. Even when you're on the, on the phone in a Bible app, sometimes ads can pop up that are ungodly in a Bible app. Why? Because that's, that app has nothing to do with the Bible. It has to do with sponsors. And so even when you are trying to do right, you can have a temptation put right in front of your face, and it's an everyday, everywhere thing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And you can be watching a, a good show, if there are any. You can be watching a good something on TV or the, or the f- computer or the phone, and something comes along and attacks you and attacks the, 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 your eyes, and it's just a constant thing you have to work on. But what we do a lot of times is justify it. And Jesus knew that we would do that, and he says it's not a matter of something beyond uh, general. He says it's a matter of the heart. How many have come to realize that, that when we make it for God, our heart's right? When we don't make it for God, our heart is in the wrong place. Our heart is perverted. Our heart is, our heart is, uh, not, is, is staying in that condition that Jeremiah 17 says it is, that it's wicked and deceitful. Okay? So what he says here in Matthew 5, 27 is, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. And so today what we have, and they had it 2,000 years ago, is people who said, hey, I've never touched a woman. I've never touched another man. I've never done that. I've never been with them physically. I've never gone anywhere with them. And that's the mentality we can have. That's the thing we think of when we think of the word adultery. But watch what Jesus says. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman 
to lust for her, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so today from that stat I just said, you have millions of people every day that are committing adultery with their eyes. Thank you. Thank you, Mom. Thank you. Amen. I know this is a, I know this is a strong subject, but it's, it's something we have to deal with. And Jesus is saying, hey, I, I know that you want to justify your sin. I know that you want to make it okay, but I want you to understand something. It's beyond just what you do physically, and this is what we're going to get to tonight. What you do physically starts right here. Okay? I'm going to get ahead of myself for a second. If, if I'm going to do something wrong or right, it starts here. It starts with the visual, and then it goes to my mind. Think about that. You can't even have a mind thing, come, a thought come into your mind without seeing something first, or hearing something first, or feeling something first. Are you following me? The mind is the battle, battleground, but what you see and what you hear and what you touch is what triggers the mind. And then, once it gets to the mind, then the mind begins to form thoughts and actions, and the mind begins to say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and you think it through before you do it. Jesus is saying, if you can catch it in the mind, before it becomes an action, that's how you win the battle. And that's a whole other series that I need to do again about renewing our minds. And, and that's, like, again, that's a whole other direction I could go. But he says, and look at verse 29. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for that one of your members to perish and for your whole body to be cast into hell. What is Jesus saying there? He is saying that this is serious. That whatever you have to do to, to live right, do it. You know what that means to me? That means if I can't handle something, if I can't, do, if I can't have a phone without falling into temptation, if I can't have a tablet without doing that, if I can't have a computer, if I can't have a TV, then I'm throwing that thing away. That was a really good place to say amen. I'm not saying you're guilty by saying amen. I'm just saying it's the truth. That's what he's trying to say. It's, it's not that the phone is bad. It's not that the TV is bad. It's just a box. It's, it's what we do with it. And so he says, if this is serious business. And if, if this thing is causing you to sin, get it out of your life. And go to drastic measure, measures to try to fix that problem. Now let's go over to Matthew 6. And this is what I really want you to see. Uh, out of this message tonight, verse 22. This is a really interesting uh, uh, set of verses that Jesus talks about. And he makes a, a really clear statement. It says that basically everything that happens in my life comes out of my eyes. That's why we're talking about our eyes tonight. Everything comes out of my eyes. He says that the lamp of my body is my eye. And he says in verse 22 of Matthew 6, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that 
darkness, and he's not asking a question there. He's saying an explanation point. He's saying, if, you're, if your eye is dark, you're in darkness. Okay? Now, this is a statement where he is saying, he's not saying if your eye is bad physically. He's talking about if your eye is bad spiritually. How many are following me so far that when we do something, it starts with what we see, what we touch, what we hear? And then we have to go from there. And, and, and so what Jesus was saying, for example, and this is just going off of what we've read so far, he says, and, and I, have, you, I have to learn this as a man, how he says, if I see a, a, a woman in front of me who has, who has caught my attention, I, I can stop and stare and I can begin to think and I can begin to go with my thoughts or I can turn my head and think about something else, which is what I have to teach myself to do as a man, which is what I teach in discipleship. We used to call it a Job alert in Costa Rica and I still do it here. We'd be walking down the street together on evangelism or something and somebody would see a woman not very much across the street or coming at us and they would scream, Job alert. It wasn't to draw attention to stare at her. It was for us to turn our, know that we shouldn't look that way to, to, so we won't have to be falling into temptation. And so we have to have that kind of mentality in our walk that when we see something, and I'm going to get into some other stuff here in a second, when we see something that's not right, we have the, the ability in our spirit to say, I'm not going to continue to think that thought. I'm not going to continue to see that thing. I'm not going to continue to justify that action. I'm going to cut it. I'm going to stop it right there, and I'm not going to fall into sin. Temptation's always going to be there. Some people think if they're saved long enough, they'll stop being tempted. Wrong. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved, you're going to be tempted. And this is real stuff here. These are real problems. These are real temptations. And as you'll see in the video next week, you, we have got to get a hold of this. And we have to destroy sin before sin destroys us. Just like I said Sunday morning, you can have things if the things don't have you. But you cannot allow sin to continue to creep in. And understand this tonight, guys, that, God, that, that, that sin does not creep in as, like a flood. It comes in slowly. And when we, when, we, when we give in just a little bit on the small little thing, and we don't think it's a big deal, then that little thing turns into another little thing. And that little thing turns into another little thing. And before we know it, we're lost in sin. Think about your life before Christ. If you had problems with drugs, problems with sex, problems with alcohol, problems with cigarettes, problems with cussing, problems with anything, did you just wake up one morning with a sailor's tongue? Did you just wake up one morning shooting heroin? Did you just wake up one morning a meth addict? No. You began to make bad decisions. I, every person I've ever met and ever talked to in Costa Rica when we worked with all those people with drug addictions and here in the United States is the same way. I've never met a crack addict who just woke up one morning and said, I think I'm going to go smoke a rock and put a pipe to my mouth and, and light it. You know what they started with? Cigarettes. And then they went to marijuana. And then marijuana wasn't enough, and they went to the next thing. It's a slow fade, church. And what we have to do is get a hold of sin while it's small and manageable. We have to nip it in the bud, as they say. We have to destroy it when it's small before it comes to us. And we have to understand that Satan is not playing games. And I've told you this so many times before. He's looking to, for us to be a trophy for him. I don't want to be a trophy for the devil. 
I want to be a trophy for God. Amen? And, we've, and listen, I want to tell you something. Nobody's exempt from this. Nobody's exempt from falling. Nobody's exempt from failing in these areas. I don't say that in a, in a way to scare you uh, silly. I, I say it in a way to give you a reverent fear of the Lord. That you've got to understand you cannot play with sin. What do we teach our kids? Don't put your hand on the oven. Don't put your hand by the fire. You're going to get burnt. I mean, no, getting burnt doesn't feel good. You ever even burnt the smallest little slightest part of your finger? It hurts. Bad. And you tell that kid, don't put your hand there. And, and, our, and our, our nature is to put that hand there. And then all of a sudden they scream and it burns and it hurts. And, you, and it takes a while to heal. And, and, and they'll, they'll remember that next time. But we've got to understand we cannot play with fire and expect not to get burnt. So we have to make sure that the lamp of our body, the eye, is good. So I have to make sure that the things that I'm watching and the things that I'm looking at, just begin to think about it. Now, I just mentioned that how the devil can throw in a, a, a bad ad on an app or something. But just think about when you're doing what God wants you to do, as Jesse mentioned at prayer, when you're staying in the word and you're staying in prayer and you're, and you're doing the things that there's a reason why God asks us to do these things. Because an idle mind is a dangerous place. Idle meaning not doing something right. When you begin to train yourself to get that word, when you begin to train yourself to stay in prayer, and you begin to, to surround yourself with that life of, of godliness and the things you're listening to and the things you watch are godly and they're lifting up the Lord, then, then you're going to be able to make godly decisions. Think about how hard it would be to sin if you're staying in prayer and reading the word. How hard is it? It's hard. It's hard to do both those things. But when you begin to stop reading the word and you begin to stop praying and you begin to stop coming to church and you begin to stop fellowshipping with believers and you begin to stop doing those things that God said to do, then you begin to walk down a world that's dangerous. And we have to understand that that's why God called us to be holy because we have to be walking one way or the other. I mean, understand that right now, tonight, as you came into this place, think about this. You were, you were either walking towards Christ or walking away from him. Think about it. I'm not, you said, I'm here at church. I didn't say anything about church. I said you're either walking towards Christ or you're walking away from him. When you came, you're, This day today, you either got closer to God or you stepped away from God. You can't go two directions at one time. As hard as I try, as hard as I tell my mind, this side go left and this side go right, I'm not going anywhere. I can't go two places at one time. I have to either go right or I have to go left. And we have to make a decision every single day, all day long, that I'm going to make my eye, the lamp of my body, good. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but we don't need help to be bad. You've probably heard me say that a million times if you've been in this church very long. We don't need help to be bad. We're sinners. We do that automatically. We need help to do good. We need, we need a guide. We need a, a manual. We need a compass, which is the word of God. Now let's go to James chapter 1. And, and I, wanna, I want you to think about this as we go there. This is really important. I mentioned lust and I mentioned uh, sexual perversion and adultery and those things at the beginning. But I want you to think about this uh, because what we do a lot of times is when we hear a subject, if it doesn't maybe hit us directly, we think, well, I got that good. And we kind of think we're good. 
Every sin that can be committed starts in the eyes. Anger. Anger. Or ears. Okay, I'm, I, I, I might not preach a whole message on the ears. I might. I'm not sure yet, but I'm throwing this in just in case I don't. Ears or eyes. Everything starts in one of those two places. Something you hear or something you see. Or something you feel. If somebody socks you, you might see, hear, and feel that. Right? You might see the punch coming, feel it, and hear it. Right? And what happens if somebody punches you? You saw it, heard it, and felt it. Do you go, oh, that felt good. Thank you. What comes in? Anger. So anger is an emotion. Somebody does you wrong. Someone says something about you. Somebody treats you a certain way. Somebody lies to you. Somebody robs you, whatever. Anger comes in. It's something you see. It's something you have to control. You have to nip it in the bud again. You have to stop it. You have to cut it. You have to say, okay, that hurt. I didn't like that, but I'm not going to react in anger because I have to control myself. It's all about self-control. How about covetousness? Covetousness, that's a, I actually wrote it wrong the first time, covetousness. When you desire something that is somebody else's. You know, a lot of times we think about word and we think of, I think a lot of times of material things, things that people have. Oh, I wish I had that car, I wish I had that house. That's not just that, some people covet marriages. Some people covet relationships. Some people covered people's jobs, covet, covet all kinds of things. You can covet anything. It's, it's where you are not satisfied or happy with what you have. And then you covet that. Where does that start? With what you're seeing. You're seeing a relationship in somebody that instead of saying, man, I, I see a, a strong marriage there. I would like to be like that. I'm going to find out what they're doing to have that strong marriage. Instead of saying, how can I learn to be like that marriage? I covet it and say, I wish I had that marriage. Well, what you're seeing, covetousness, covetousness, jealousy and envy. I'm just throwing out a few examples tonight. Jealousy and envy. See something that happens. Something happens to you. Again, jealousy and envy. These are things that, that attack us, and we have to watch what we're seeing because the eye is the lamp of the body. Violence is another one. I could go on and mention all the sins, but how many are following me that those things start with what we see and hear? And, and this is why it's so important, and I'll just throw this plug in in case I don't ever get to it. It's why it's so important to listen to godly music. Godly music that lifts up God. Because, again, we don't need that stuff to put it. We don't need things to be planted in our minds that are other than God because without it, we can do bad by ourselves. We need to listen to something that is going to cause us to keep our minds on Christ. You in James chapter 1? I'm going to get in something tonight. Verse 14, watch this. Here's what happens. This is really the battleground of sanctification. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now I want you to stop and listen to that. I'm going to read that again. Listen. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. What are we drawn away and enticed by? What we see and what we hear and what we feel. Those emotions cannot happen without eyes and ears and hands and feet. 
Those are things that happen in our body that cause us to, to uh, uh, fall into that, to, to drawn, drawn to that, drawn to, to lust, drawn to be angry, drawn to covet, drawn to be jealous. There's something that entices me, and that spirit is luring me, and that spirit is saying, come on, give into it. And all of us, listen, all of us have tendencies. I could chase that rabbit for a long time and preach a whole nother message on that. All kinds of things that people do today in a whole spectrum of things has to do with tendencies that we have that, 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 that come from how we were raised and things we were around and things we were exposed to. Some people say, how come, how come I don't have any kind of temptation for alcohol and other people do? Well, because you didn't have, maybe didn't have alcohol around you like they did. How, drugs the same way or whatever it is. Or maybe you, you, you chose at a, at a young age to say, you know what? I see the effects of that. I see the effects of that. It, it's a miracle when somebody is raised in a home where there is a whole lot of alcoholism and something in them as a young child says, you know what? I don't want to be like that. I'm never going to touch a drop of alcohol in my life because I see the consequences of what happens when that happens. And instead of falling into the tendency of what their families did, they say, I'm not doing that. That's what needs to be done. But here's the problem. They might not fall into the tendency of alcohol, but then they fall into something else. There's always traps everywhere. All of us have things, and all of us have things here tonight that are more tempting to us individually than others. There's certain things that I could mention tonight, and you say, God, no problem with that. And this is, that's, that's, the, that's the truth. That, that thing, doesn't, that thing doesn't, doesn't appeal to you, but don't think that thing can't ever appeal to you. Don't think that that can't creep in. Don't think that that can't happen. That, that's, that's where pride comes in. And that's why we have to stay humble. That's why we have to stay in love with Jesus and why we have to stay with our eyes on the cross. So watch this statement. He says, when one is tempted, when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed, he's tempted. Watch this. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Amen? So right there in verse 15, I can see something, feel something, hear something, and then I have the opportunity to stop that sin from being conceived. Okay? Amen? Y'all with me? That's on me. I've got to stop it. I've got to have self-control. I've got to be in the Spirit. That's why he says walk in the Spirit so you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I'm going to read this. You can write it down for time because I want to close. Psalms 101, verses 3 and 4 says this. David says this. I, now remember, this is 50 chapters after David repents of his sins. Thank God for forgiveness. Can you say amen? Thank God for restoration. This is, this is not a message that we can't be forgiven. This is speaking to the church now that we're walking in Christ and we're trying to live a godly life. We're not talking about the past things you've done. We're talking about how to, how to go forward. And David says in Psalms 101 verse 3, he says, I will set, here's what we got to do. He says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. And, I, and listen, he says, I hate the work of those who fall away. You know why a lot of Christians don't make it? Because they don't hate sin enough. You better hate sin in here tonight. You better hate the devil. 
You better hate the things that are not of God. Oh, you're using the hate word? Yeah, God used it a whole lot. You can hate things that are not godly. You, want, you should hate things. The problem is too many people are in love sometimes with sin or they might not be in love with it, but they don't hate it. And if you don't hate it, then you'll tolerate it. Did you hear that? If you don't hate it, you'll tolerate it. And if you tolerate it, it'll make its way in. Okay? You've got to live a life where you say, no, I'm done with that, or no, this is not going to come into my life. I'm going to guard myself and shield myself. This is so powerful. Just, I, I should ask you to look at it, but just listen. Read it later, please. I'm going to read it again, and then I'm going to go on to the next part. So good. He says, I will not set anything wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. And then he says, it shall not cling to me. It shall not cling to me. What have we been talking about in the last few weeks? You've got to put off the old man. Those spirits want to cling to you. Those desires want to cling to you. They want to hang on to you. They want to, they want to live with you. They want to come in and, and have fellowship with you. And you've got to say, no, you're not, you know, you've got to kick it off. You've got to kick it off. You've got, to, you've got to get rid of it and say, no, this is not. It doesn't mean that it can't come and try to grab on. But you're going to knock it off. It will not cling to me because I hate it. How many know if we would start, if we'd start putting that hate that we have sometimes in our heart for the wrong things and use that energy of hate towards sin, we'd be more, and victor more victorious. We've got to get to where we hate sin like we hate a lot of other things. We've got to hate sin. Hate ungodliness. Hate, hate anything that looks like it could destroy my life or hurt my life or affect my life. And then he says, a perverse heart shall depart from me and I will not know wickedness. That's a powerful prayer. This would be a good prayer right here. This would be a good thing to set before you and read and say, Lord, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look at anything. I'm not gonna listen to anything. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just sit here and have fellowship with something that is not godly. That's not right. And here's the power we have tonight that we can do this. Here's the power we have. It's not ours. Uh, John mentioned, or Jesse, I can't remember one of the two mentioned, the, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Remember that none of us are good on our own. None of us can make it on our own. We're not able to do it on our own. We have to say, God help me. And God will help you. But God also expects us to do our part. And John's, uh, sorry, in John, this is one of the first verses I read at the beginning of this series. In 17, Jesus is praying for us as disciples. And he says, I pray, this is important, I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. We do not live in a, in, we definitely don't live in a mountain because there's no mountains around here. No mountains to run to. We don't have any hills to run to. We live in this world. We live in this city. It's, it's here. We're in it. Got to go to work in it. Got to go to school in it. A lot of people, a lot of people, you know, that's why there's monks and priests and, and nuns and, and those, that idea, even in the Buddhist religion, where they'll go into the mountains and live on their own. And, and that, that, that's a great idea, that they would get away from all those things. But here's the, here's the problem. That sin will go where they're going. There's no place where sin doesn't, doesn't exist and doesn't live. 
be like trying to go someplace on this earth where there's not cockroaches. No matter where you go, there's cockroaches. You got to deal with them. You got to deal with, with rats. You got to deal with mice. You got to deal with these things. You've got to deal with sin. So you're in the world. He says, Lord, I, I don't pray you take them out of the world. He said, but that you'd keep them from the evil one. And he says, because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So he says, sanctify them by your truth. This is how you stay sanctified, by the truth. Sanctify. Listen, this world is not our moral compass. This is our moral compass. This is what's right. This is what's holy. If we get off of this, we're lost. We're doomed. And he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Lord, tonight help us with our eyes. We all have eyes. We all have to see things. Just like anything, Lord, we have to choose if what we see is good or bad. Sometimes something's thrown in front of us. We don't have a chance to see it, but we have to turn. We have to deal with what we saw because the enemy's constantly putting things in front of us to cause us to fail. Constantly causing this, trying to cause us to trip up. And God, I, I ask you tonight to continue to put a hate for ungodly things in our hearts. That we would hate sin. That we would not tolerate it. That we would not put up with it. That we would not play with it. But we'd let it go. We'd cut it off. We'd destroy it by the, by the power of the word of God. We'd, we'd rebuke it in prayer. We'd cover ourselves under the blood of Jesus. Oh, Father. Father, we thank you tonight. Musicians, I want to sing He is Lord, if we can find that. How many all over this place as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed would be honest with God? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you be honest with God where you're at. There's some things in my life, God. There's some things in my life I need to deal with. There's some things in my life that I'm, I'm, I'm entertaining. That's why we're doing this message. We're, we're praying and hoping that, that the spirit of conviction, not condemnation, would be working in us. Saying, don't do that. The end of that is destruction. The end of that is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. You right now, tonight on this Wednesday night, would do business with God. Say, Lord, search my heart. David said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. we got to clean our hearts every day. You think about some of the things we do physically in our lives to stay healthy. We brush our teeth every day. We take a shower. We, we wash our hands. We take care of our body. We, we do things to keep germs off of us. We have to have that same spirit in prayer and in the word. We've got to make sure that we're keeping those demonic forces out of our lives because they're never going to surrender. They're never going to stop. Doesn't mean you can't get victory over it, but don't think that they're, they're ever going to say, okay, I'm going to leave them alone. Now, they will, they will look after easier prey. They will go to try to find someone that's easier to cause to stumble. 
But man, the devil wants to make us a trophy tonight. And he, unfortunately, he's doing it in such a strong way right now. In the church world, there's so many people failing, moral failures, adult, adulteries, affairs, divorces, problems, just horrible things. Like I said at the beginning, ministers and people of God falling into this, to this sin of pornography, falling into things that can't be seen. We might, we've got to remind ourselves tonight as we're praying, God sees it all. God, forgive us tonight for thinking we could fool you, thinking that you don't see everything. Help us, Lord, with our flesh. Help us to hate sin and love your word tonight, Jesus. How many tonight would say, Pastor, I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. I've never trusted him to come into my life and and give me victory over these things. I want that tonight. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want my name to be written in the Lamb's book of life. If you think you're good enough, I can tell you that Jesus said no one's good but the Father. You can't get to heaven being good. You have to put your faith in Jesus. It's not by works, Paul said, lest any man should boast. How many would say, that's me tonight? Would you lift me up in prayer? I need Jesus. I need to be born again. I want to accept him. Just put your hand up and put it right back down all over this place. All over this place. That's me. I need Jesus. Maybe you're here and and, and at some point in your life you said that prayer in a church outside with with someone at work. You said that prayer. But tonight you know that you're not living a life that's pleasing to God. You know that you're not walking in the truth and tonight you need to be restored and rededicate your life to the Lord. How many would say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me tonight. I want to say that prayer. God bless you. I want to say that prayer. I want to restore my salvation. I want to restore my, my heart. Take not your Holy Spirit from me, Lord. Amen. God bless you. I see your hand. God sees your hand. Amen. I want us to stand to our feet. And I'm going to pull a Danny tonight. I think I might start using it. Everybody come to the altar. I like what he said Sunday night. Didn't give you an option. Amen. We're going to sing this song. Let's let's do business with God tonight. Let's ask God to help us with these things. Let's be thankful tonight that we can hear the truth. Amen. Be thankful tonight that we can hear the truth. That, that, that even on a Wednesday night when there's not a lot of people that I didn't preach to you any different just now than I would have if it was full because everybody, every one of you matter every one of us matter tonight, amen doesn't matter if there's two or two thousand we matter tonight to Jesus, to God so we're going to pray we're going to sing this song and as we do, you know what you need to pray about you know what you're dealing with in your life might not even been anything I mentioned but you're dealing with something tonight you talk to the Lord about that tonight, amen for